It's around, the, around this time of year, there's a lot of nesting um, going on. Mm -hmm. Skylarks will nest on the ground as well. I always think that the, the skylark, what it's doing is it's um, sort of broadcasting the local news, telling everyone where everything what's is, on. what's going on. Yeah. So they'll, they'll go up high and they'll say, there's a, everything's okay. Fine. Oh, hang on, there's a fox at the uh, bottom end of the field. You need to be a little bit careful there. Stay down, don't move. No, everything's okay again. That's what I like to think. Anyway. I'm sure there's, you know, it's entirely speculation, but I'm sure there might be an element of that. They're known for having quite a long song, aren't they? Yeah, they're sort of constant bit like a 303 machine I've heard before as well, like a acid line. Quite uninterrupted. Uninterrupted, yeah. Mm. And are they rare? The skylocks. There's a few there's a few different types. They, oh look at that. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, this this is the, the gap in the wall that's referenced in, in the poem. Oh wow, I love it. Look at that. Oh, I really like a nice wall. That's a good wall, isn't it? It's massive. Oh, I suddenly feel like we're on the French coast. <coughs> oh, we spotted something. So hello, I'm Ruthie Collins, I'm a writer and socially engaged artist and I'm here with Taz, Hello. who's a musician and <laughs> ornithologist, oh, artist and ornithologist. I'd love to be a proper ornithologist, I think you actually have to do studying to do that. I'm definitely an enthusiastic amateur birdwatcher. Mm -hmm. I should probably introduce myself. My name's Tazla Stevenson. I'm a printmaker, artist, musician, 
and I'm very, very interested in bird life and have been, well, forever, really. Yeah, you were saying ever since you were, you were a kid, really, that was... Yeah. Yeah. It's not something I'd ever stopped. When I think about that, there was never a really, there was never a moment where I decided, oh, I'm going to be a bird watcher. It was just something I always did. It just happened. And yeah, and I think I was very encouraged in, because I, I think I showed like a natural interest and I was definitely encouraged to um, follow that up. We always had a pair of binoculars in the car. <laughs> yeah. So we were always stopping the car going, look, what's that? Get the bins out. It's a very natural thing for me to do, I think. And I think every, I think it's a natural thing for most people to do. I mm -hmm. think we're, we're, we're all, we're, whether, whether we explicitly decide that we want to go out bird watching or not, it doesn't really matter. We're still interested in birds. We still, and often if someone says, oh, I don't know anything about birds, actually, you do. Most people do know quite a lot. You know, we, we can identify most of our resident birds. You, know, you get people to list. They soon list quite. A lot, you know, the list would get quite long quite quickly. People yeah. are sort of surprised at actually how much they do know. I think most people can name birds, can't they? they yeah, can, of course. They know what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the, the basic kind of common common birds that we see and hear, but just in terms of being able to identify them through their sound that's such a I mean was that something that he did as a kid as well or did that kind of come later I think sound and birds is definitely I think that was probably my first my first real uh, deep encounter with birds would have been with sound it would have been with the cuckoo so I mean I, vague recollections but I get I got told that I would be I would happily sit in my pram and just watch and listen to a cuckoo for hours. I suppose when you're that young, watching birds is a bit trickier, perhaps. You know, you, you haven't quite got the, the skills to sort of pick them out, but you can certainly hear them. Mm. And I think, though, I think sound plays a huge part in bird watching. <clears throat> And I tend, you tend to do, especially when you're first in a space or you first turned up at a reserve or where, where, wherever you are, you, you're really bird watching with your ears, for the most part. Mm. That's where you'll 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 hear you'll hear a contact call or a, <clears throat> a song, and that will help you focus in. Yeah. Oh, you know, obviously the two go very much hand in hand and you think of bird watching as very much of a, vis a visual thing but you do you do but I think really it's the songs that and the calls that perhaps we find most evocative they're the ones that really they're the ones that tend that, that the sounds tend to stick with me the most yeah and there, there's there's so much material now isn't there to help you identify birds through their song on the on the internet and yeah there's an amazing amount of like archived open oh, access stuff out there to really loads. help yeah <clears throat> in fact i think that there's you know lots of really good quality vi vinyl records out there as well there's the the rec recordings sort of from the 40s 50s and 60s are, are, are fantastic um almost a sort of a window into another another world is that um, how you taught yourself to identify birds when you're you're younger initially, not or? so much i think 
it's been a, a, an accumulative um, thing, and I think with 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 bird song, it's you can listen to as many recordings as you can get your hand get your ears on. Um, watching the bird actually call out in when you're actually out and about is the best way of of matching of matching the, the two together to matching image. matching the bird and the sound and i think that the bird calls are very um peculiar to their environment as well uh, so the reed warblers will have quite a look i'd say the skylark has a constant broadcast and its song just travels. Um, the bittern, the bittern's boom. You never see the bittern, but its 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 boom can be heard for you know, three quarters of a mile away. Yeah. Um, and it's like its song has been, or call has been designed to penetrate that, those deep reed beds. And we can hear a bird in the background here, but but what? That, but what is it? That lo that loud uh, call. That's a wren. Oh, is that a wren? Yeah. Wow, which is one of the tiniest birds, isn't it? Yes, it's yeah. our it's our shortest bird, but it's not our smallest bird. Right. So the the wren, the wren's sort of tail, the its its, it's tail feathers, they kind of poke up at a ninety degree angle at, the, at its back end. So there's this wonderful silhouette. It's, yeah. It's very sort of um, alert. And when it, you know, when you see a wren pop up on a perch, it it, it means business. Yeah. You know, the wrens have got so much drive and purpose and their song is explosive um, but uh, our the goldcrest is our smallest bird by weight right and they're very they're very they're adorable little birds as well they've got the yellow yeah the yellow bright yellow um, and red yellow yellow stripe along the across their foot uh, on the uh, across their head and when they're kind of slightly agitated or um, that they're showing off that that crest will flare up you know there's this bright lemon yellow head crest it's great they're beautiful yeah and they're very chatty as well aren't they <laughs> yeah they can be they 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 they're often all in mixed groups as well so you'll get gold crests and long-tailed tits and blue tits and great tits all they they all hang out together yeah and that's always um that's one of my favorites there. as well um, are they swallows they are swallows. Swallow, yeah. Yes. Just, yes. Silently flying over the water. Aerial down through Burr Castle which is at a slight elevation and that's given us a wonderful 
vista of, of, of Braden Water and, and the marshes. It did, yeah. And as Taz described, just the, the vista at the top there is one of the most stunning parts of the Norfolk landscape. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. It's a bit of an undersung beauty spot, really. But those are often the, the nicest. Definitely, yeah. There's a sort of a catch-22 or a double-edged sword when, 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 when you feel that somewhere is perhaps a bit of a secret or it should be more well-known. Yeah. But then there's the, 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 the benefit of it actually not being well-known. <laughs> you, 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 you came up here last... Last summer. Last summer. The yeah. first... Is that just towards after the first lockdown? It was just after the first lockdown, that's right. Yeah, we were finally able to leave leave Norwich. <laughs> and we came out here and did a lot of walking. In fact, right down to this spot. How, how much have you how much had you written of your poem before that walk? I'd written a lot of material actually, but um, the poem itself has, has now has since turned into a series. Partly because I'd uncovered so much material, um, it was quite difficult to, you know, squeeze it into the brief, the actual that one mm. commission. Perhaps it means that the poems you'll you'll then write, you'll feel less an not anxious, but feel less pressure to put as much in as possible because you'll know that you've got yeah. perhaps the next one that you can attack it from that angle or approach it from a different angle. Well, I think poems need space to breathe. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much detail you can really include, so yeah, it's good to be able to, to work with all of that. I mean, Norfolk itself, as you know, there's is, is so much inspiration here. Morning. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just say we're, we're just by a dog walker's path. Yeah. He was a very happy chappy. He was, yeah, very jolly. No, yeah. there, there, is, there is a wealth. I mean, there are so many ways in. And how, and where do you where do you, where do you begin? Oh yeah. You know, especially with 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 the history of of, of the landscape. I mean, there's you, you could spend your life researching. Yeah, you, there's that. books and books and books, um, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the the brief to this this poem was really to celebrate and explore worries, worries, walks and waterways, and inspire connection to the natural world. Yeah. So. Um, but even that as a brief is quite broad. <laughs> so there's whole books written on all of those individual subjects. Um, but yeah, it's a real uh, joy to, to write a poem last, last summer. But even better to actually come here and then actually physically connect in that, the final I stage of the, the writing process. Yeah, I mean, I think... Really helped. If you have a connection, or if, if one, or if, yeah, if you have a connection with the landscape, and you can articulate that, then I think that's that's the way that's the way in, perhaps. You know, yeah. If you've got your own your own voice, your own way of looking at something, you can you can take a a subject like the Werries, which, like you say, have been written about yeah. and will be written about. But, but if you if you if you've got like it's, if you it's love a good the starting land. point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you if you're into yeah. if you're into it, if you if you if you if you've connected with it, then I think that's and you can you can express that through 
I mean, I suppose maybe you're looking for that evidence when you are researching. You're looking for the... One of the things I love about reading natural history um, books, in particular sort of biographies or not necessarily just straight-up facts, is, is recognising other people's observations. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that. That's it. Well, I, I was quite lucky. I mean, the majority of the, the research I completed before the pandemic hit. So I did a lot of... Um, I went out sailing on the broads on one of the wherries. Wonderful. The wherry, wherry moored. Um, and I love that name, moored. Yeah. And I love the way that that... In the poem that... Because I, 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 I obviously went back and read Moored as a Boat. But it reads as a person, reads as a... Uh, so in the, in the line, was it yeah. like, um, take the tiller with Albion and Moor? Do you feel like... They're a couple. They're a couple, can, yeah. yeah you're, go you're, on a journey you're, with. you're going on a journey with. I yeah. think that's, that's, that was lovely. Yeah, well, the, the, wor- the worries kind of, to me, started to feel a bit like a, um, a symbol for going on a nature safari hmm. and just kind of going out. Because I don't know if you've spent a lot of time on the waters... On the the broads. In fact, that that's the first time a I've li- really a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't actually until that point. So it was, and it was really beautiful. It was so early in the morning, and the the light was absolutely stunning. Um, just just yeah, just amazing. And the wherries are so so loved and so treasured in Norfolk. It, it's what did you say? You talk you you saying that it's a the, the, the po- a, a poetic device that the the boats and I sort of wanted to add to that that you were saying the boats have a they're both represent the land and the water I suppose they do I mean if, they, they when, when you're re- traveling on water it's kind of you're really aware of the way that that sky and I mean you've probably noticed that when you've been walking sky and water kind of meet and they they kind of converge and the light and it's all it's quite there's something quite kind of magical and otherworldly about it definitely and yet it is our world it's very much of our world as well Dreaming of Albion, sailing with Maud. From grey beginnings the water streams a glitter with havens, dark beauty and dreams. Sail away to better things, yellow iris, where summer's skylark beauty sings. Lapwings calling in winter, geese. Take the tiller with Albion and Maud to things worth saving, banks of peace. Load up with ice under dreading turns, quanting off on clinkered beams, black sails vast, vein-topped masts. Turn through the wall into a timeless place where golden sunlight streams with grace. Give way to sail, swallowtail flying, water glistening, earth's old ways. Quest for magic, dragons hair hopping, marsh crackling, silt popping, reeds hissing in shimmering space. I see me banks of beauty sweet, listen to the land of chalk and flint, treasure life worth saving, there's earth at your feet.
I think one of the things that I get from bird watching and walking is it's very bird watching is very zen in the sense that if you if you really want to see stuff and you really want to watch birds doing their thing you have to slow down in the environment you have to sort of become at the same speed as everything else around you you can't have your city head yeah. you can't have your city brain on you know or, or, or if, you, if you're your your the pace of how fast you walk sometimes correlates to what's going on in your head so if i'm overthinking or if i'm you know worrying about things i can't control etc etc my you know my do you find you start to kind of speed ahead a little I'm bit? I'm speeding ahead a little yeah. bit. Mm. My vision narrows, right? Yep. And I'm looking basically at a small square meter patch on the on the floor. Yeah. And I'm in my head. You're not looking around. And I'm, I'm not looking around. Everything that's around. And it's you. at that point that I'll suddenly scare a cuckoo. Will just suddenly fly off in front of me, or I'll I'd have just missed a a, a sparrowhawk sitting in a in a hedge. Yeah. And I think to myself, if I just just slow down and stop thinking about silly daft things I would have seen that bird yeah so it, it, for me it's a way of slowing down and calming down letting go mm -hmm. which is quite a sort of meditative Zen state <clears throat> but then you couple that with action so you, you you do couple that with walking and being outside and being active and it's like a it's a good way of at once calming your mind down so you're calming your mind down but at the same time you're using your body yeah you're, you're getting walking, active you're getting active you're using is, your legs you're using your arms yeah. and i think that's the combination of the two is really good for well-being isn't it really good really, for well-being really yeah. yeah it would just be interesting to suddenly flick back to 200 years ago now to see why just how active this place would have been. It would, yeah. I, I kind of feel like this place would have been a real hubbub of activity. Absolutely. You know, people coming and going with a lot, a lot more reliance on the landscape for a living as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, the waterways for the, the arteries of the, the UK in, the, in their heyday, um, in terms of I suppose infrastructure, things mm. like transport, and but also culturally, I've always been quite interested in that and the, the role that the, the waterways used to play in you know, having like performances and social gatherings and mm. all that kind of thing. It's really interesting. Oh, I've got it. It'd be lovely to figure out a way of getting a whole group of people into a reed bed to do a performance. Yeah, or on a boat. On a yeah. yeah.
open water is so expansive. I think that's why when we came in, it was such a treat to be at a slight, a slight elevation. Yeah. Because when you're looking out of it, it seems an almost impossible landscape to actually get into. Mm. Huge it mud flats. Um, and the walk, there's a couple of walks, but the walk round it just is, one of my friend described that kind of landscape as bleak. Yeah, yeah, you you were saying actually about that the kind of or we we were saying about the it can feel a bit like a moonscape. Yeah. Around. And it's around it's the funny that the 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 the, the, the catch twenty two is it you know the, the sort of bleak can sort of perhaps insinuate life lifelessness like there's there's no life there but actually the the life on Braden Water and and you know all estuaries really but it's in huge, particular Braden Water is yeah. just absolutely teeming yeah. full of life and then we, that the biggest tell for that is the bird life especially during the winter months yeah what when, is it 64,000 yeah I mean I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if it would be even more yeah. than that but yeah up to, up to, up to 64,000 waders and, and geese will, will, will converge on Braden Water and, and because it, the, it's so rich in nutrients mm. and that, 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 that the microscopic life in the silt sustaining you know, tens and tens of thousands of birds and I think that's I love that, that the birds are a kind of a visual representation of the, the life underneath the silt there to sort of yeah show us exactly how, how healthy much how much is happening yeah. and how healthy a landscape is yeah I think that's that's another part of the comfort of looking at birds is knowing that if they're if their birds are there yeah and if they're doing their thing then all is well perhaps yeah they're a, a signifier of things being healthy yeah 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 oh Bearded reedling. The bearded reedling flying over a male. Oh, oh very fast, very fast. <laughs> bearded reedlings, or otherwise known as bearded tits, are oh, just so endearing and they're in, in striking looking. Sorry, I keep stopping because I keep thinking I'm hearing one. They have a very distinctive ping call. Yeah. They're called bearded reedlings. But actually, they have moustaches. Oh, okay. So the males have two jet black dripping um, uh, moustaches that come down. And they're a beautiful kind of orangey, soft orangey, browny, reddy colour. Yeah. And probably a little bit overexcited that I've just seen one. Morning! Morning! There's so much of... So much pleasure though with, with just being around birds, isn't there? Just kind of hearing them, whether you can identify them or not, it's really That's it. So lovely. And I think I think people it can be a bit daunting. People think that oh well I can't be a bird watcher or I d I don't really I don't really know much about it. And there is a correlation between being able to name something and know it. Yeah and the experience of it there, there there is definitely a correlation there but sometimes just you know being just being out 
is enough. It's a bit like help. foraging, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Sort of, that or, or experience, <laughs> just be walking around and... Or going into a charity things. shop. Yeah. I suppose, it, in a way, there's that it, bird watching is similar. You, you'll never know quite what you'll see. And also, you don't... I mean, how far do you want to take it as well? Like, do you want to go out with your binoculars and a telescope and a telephoto lens camera, and then suddenly you're like... Oh, it can get really, really heavy duty, can't it? Yeah, it gets a bit heavy duty, and yeah. then you'll start setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we were we were talking about the um, raising water in, in the in the winter, mm. and you know a, a good a good approach to take. Oh, what for birding in yeah. the winter? Um, the top tip is watch the tides. Yeah. And, and would you say turn up early as a rule? I mean, any time of the day, really. Yeah. Birds just sort of tend to do their thing whenever they want to do their thing. But first thing in the morning and last thing at night is, are, are good times. First thing in the morning is when birds are are, are their, at their most active, where all, where all the birds are at their most active is they're waking up and finding, you know, starting to sort of find feeding spots or hanging out with their mates who knows what they're deciding to do at that point um, but they'll, they'll be waking up and flying around so yeah m morning is good um, but with with the size of Braden water if you come at low tide definitely bring a telescope okay because <laughs> the birds can be quite quite far out as we've discussed Braden water has got you know is, is an expansive area but if you can catch at high tide, um, as the as the water rises, it will push the birds a bit closer and closer to the edges, yeah. which will bring them slightly closer to you. So that's that's a good time to go at high tide or evening tides as well. But I suppose in, in the winter evening tides, it'll be probably won't see much because it'll be quite dark. But I suppose those those would be my tips for bird watching at Braden. Brilliant. Got a sturdy pack lunch. Yeah. So what's what's that bird that we can hear? That's the wren again. That's the wren again. Yeah. It's just sitting at the top there and yeah, that's particularly noisy. There's the the wren has a very explosive call. The Chetty's warbler as well has got an explosive call. Chetty's warbler, they do this thing where they creep up on you and they'll sit in a hedge behind you and then burst out their call and make you jump out your skin. Yeah. I'm sure there's a Chetty's warbler that does that to me on purpose and thought, Marsh, it's done it to me like three or four times. This podcast, featuring the composition of new music by Tazala Stevenson, has been created using support from Arts Council England as part of Natural Wonder, a project celebrating connection to the natural world.